Life Happens Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. It's six minutes past two on uh, SFM. Welcome to the second hour and uh, it's uh, time for the men's forum, they call it on the show. And uh, today... We are talking about how men uh, can overcome depression, especially in a society where they're raised and told that boys don't cry. Uh, You know, the odd bit of advice that they get given uh, from uh, when they're very young that, you know, forces them to sort of suppress their emotions. Men in South Africa are more than four times more likely to commit suicide than women. I repeat that. Men in South Africa are more than four times more likely to commit suicide than women, according to a report by the World Health Organization. The report, which was titled Preventing Suicide, a resource uh, for pesticide registrars and regulators, states that almost 800,000 people die from suicide every year globally. Is depression really that silent killer in men and how can men overcome depression? We have uh, two guests. Uh, Dr. Uh, Franz Cobb is a psychiatrist and uh, Dr. Rose is a psychologist. Dr. Jenny Rose is a registered clinical psychologist and lecturer in the Department of Psychology at the University of the Western Cape. And as I said, Dr. Franz Cobb is a psychiatrist. Dr. Rose, let me start with you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, KG. Thanks for having me. It's a thing, right? We live in a society where uh, we socialize um, boy children uh, to say they mustn't cry, they must be tough. Hey, boy, be a man. Why is it that there is so much depression amongst men? Oh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think so much of what we need to unpack and understand is really how these dynamics are entrenched from so early on. Um, and our expectations as a society and how I think we are so much more forgiving of women in general and how much more we are allowing of them to express their struggles, um, to acknowledge their vulnerabilities. Uh, and, and often for men, this is not so much the case. And I think this this message has ultimately resulted in men feeling like there isn't really a door for them to try and um, get some help and get treatment. And so they become quite avoidant in sitting with their struggles to the point that then it's no longer sort of sustainable. And that's why we see a picture of highly elevated suicide rates in men is because we've set up this sort of stereotype that uh, for men to ask for help and for men to be, you know, for this to be normalized amongst men is certainly not the norm. And, And that's what our goal needs to be is starting to shift those patterns and making it more accessible Uh, and just more normalized in our everyday living. Yeah. And let me bring in uh, Dr. Uh, Cobb, because a lot of us are not clear as to at what point we need uh, the psychiatrist versus when we need the psychologist, especially in relation to issues of depression. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, good afternoon, first of all. Hello, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we just dive in and get going. But I think that is what's so important about talking about this topic. And we can never, ever talk enough about this topic. Mm -hmm. Because I think I fully agree with what uh, Rosa said there, the psychologist. You know, that, that there is just such a lot of social expectations about what men should be and how their roles are in society 
that, uh, you know, you have to be strong at all costs and don't acknowledge that you are depressed or that you don't feel well. So, I mean, all those things are there. But I think in, in broad terms, you know, when we look at the management of uh, depression, or not only depression, anxiety disorders, lots of the, the, the psychiatric disorders, mm-hmm. is there's always the two sides. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is always so absolutely essential that we do look at the two sides. And that is the medical side, which me as a psychiatrist deal with as prescription of medication. Mm-hmm. But one must never, ever throw away the psychology side. Mm. Because, you know, mental illnesses or, or depression is one of those things uh, I once read many years ago that, that depression is kind of the cancer of all the emotions. Yeah. You know, once the depression starts setting, setting in, it kind of pushes, it kind of eats up all the other emotions and eventually what you feel is only that down, depressed, sad kind of a feeling. Yeah. And, you know, especially if depression lasts for a, a while, it affects everything. It affects your home life, it affects your relationships, it affects your occupational life. All those things get affected. Yeah. And I think it is therefore, and not only that, it affects yourself, your, your, your self-worth, your self-image, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, all of that gets affected as well. So that is why it's always so important to bring a psychologist in as well. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that's another issue that we live in this kind of a society where everybody wants a quick fix. Yeah. Um, you know, they think... I'm going, to pause you. I'm going to pa- yeah. pause you, Dr. Dr. Cobb, because yeah. I have to go to uh, a commercial break. I want us, when okay. we come back, uh, to have a conversation about, you know, the starting point, uh, because it sounds to me like a very progressive illness. The starting point, what it is that people should look for and how it is that uh, those that love them can help. We're talking depression in men with Dr. Cobb and Dr. Rose. Tweet at SFM Radio and at KG Mwegezi. Welcome back. We're talking depression, specifically depression in men with Dr. Jenny Rose, registered clinical psychologist and lecturer in the Department of Psychology at the University of the Western Cape and Dr. Franz Cobb, uh, who is a registered psychiatrist. And by the way, we are interested in getting your calls. Uh, If you are a man uh, who is uh, living with uh, depression uh, so that perhaps we can hear even advice from from you on how you learned uh, to manage it, how you got it diagnosed, how long it took, or if uh, you tried to commit suicide uh, as a result of uh, uh, being depressed. We know, of course, three years ago, uh, South Africa lost uh, Dr. Bongani Magnosi, uh, who was uh, working at UCT, and it was uh, well known, uh, publicized well, that uh, he was suffering uh, from depression and uh, he took his life. So uh, we're trying to find a way uh, to talk because uh, we raise our boys, we socialize our boys to say, don't cry, um, you know, and uh, we demand a level of strength that, uh, you know, is almost really uh, abnormal and unnecessary, uh, Dr. Rose. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think um, we as a society have molded this perception that it's a lot harder for men to ask for help. I think there's so much focus on as women, what we can do for our mental functioning. You know, we encourage to journal and to exercise and to meditate and to seek therapeutic help and to take medication. And there's so many avenues for us to explore intervention and to prioritize our well-being. We talk about self-care all the time. Mm. Yet we don't give we don't give men the same sort of recognition and we don't give them the same opportunities to explore avenues 
for their own development. And I think that's often what we sit with, is that there's the struggle that men feel like they don't have avenues um, for them to explore and process what they are, what they are going through. And yeah. so for them, in my sense, is that men's depression feels far more sort of hopeless than, than a lot of what women's depression might feel like. Um, obviously yeah. not to say that theirs isn't hopeless, but it feels like there are a lot more outlets to try and address the depression um, from a societal perspective than there are for men. Yeah. We've got yeah. a caller. Anonymous in Kuruman wants to join the conversation. Hello, Anonymous. Oh, good afternoon, uh, my sister. I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel maybe I might have a mistaken uh, depression because I've been thinking that I have depression. But uh, given what given what the doctors are saying, actually the psychologists are saying, um, realizing that I actually have anxiety instead of depression because I don't think I I. I I have self uh, doubt or things like that. For those, okay. I'm okay. But uh, uh, it, it, it actually started in 2014, I think. But mm. by then, I was I was uh, I was still like going out a lot. I was I was drinking and still smoking cigarettes and everything. Mm. And then I started taking uh, things that one that made me feel that I was also part of the group. I started using drugs, actually, mm-hmm. if I can just put it in simple terms. What was but, your drug of choice at the time, if I may ask? Uh, I, I, I used to smoke coke. Okay, cocaine. And then, yeah, and then I, I used to crystal meth also. Crystal meth, okay. Y- yes. So now, um, since 2014, uh, when it started, we were just staying, we were just sitting uh, was for people, but then suddenly I just heard my heart beat as fast as I've ever heard it beat. Were you of, high? Of, of, were you high when that happened? I were, I was for mm-hmm. about two days straight. Okay. Because uh, it started uh, actually on Thursday. There was a funeral at my neighbor's, mm-hmm. and then uh, we went to the cemetery to go uh, dig a grave, and then afterwards we started drinking that first that uh, Thursday. Actually, the Friday, the Friday we went to go, we went drinking. I went without sleep for Friday mm-hmm. and, and Saturday. But I came home in the early hours of Sunday. But uh, I I knew that I, I, I did not eat, first of all. And then I knew, because this thing tells a lie to your mind, you you... You think that you don't you don't have appetite, but you. Well, when you say this thing, eat. wait, Pell, I mean, I'm not I'm not a doctor, so I'm trying to understand okay. it from uh, the listener's yeah. perspective. When you say okay. this thing, do you mean the drug or do you mean the anxiety? The, the drug. drug, okay. Drug. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna talk about the anxiety afterwards. How okay, sure. And, and why why I feel it's not a, a, a located. Uh, okay, so the the drugs told me told my mind that uh, you know what you are okay you're not supposed to eat you are fine it's supposed to be good, but my mind knew that I as a person cannot live without eating it's it's it, it's not normal. Mm-hmm. So this Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I wanted to eat because I knew my body, and I also wanted to become normal. Also, I want. I also wanted to. I knew that I had been high for for a lot too of long, days, like yeah. years, and yeah. I went without sleep. I knew I, I needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. I came home at about three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I slept for about an hour and a half, but I felt that I did not go into deep sleep. 
I just summered I just summered the sleep a little bit. Okay. Yes, and then when I when I woke up, I had to go to the neighbors because it just didn't feel okay that uh, they only saw me on on Friday and then they gotta see me on on Sunday. So I just went there. When I got there, I felt like nah, let me just get something to eat. That's when the heartbeat started, and then from there, ever since up until today. It's been now seven years that I've been living with this anxiety, and it's 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 nothing that I would ever wish for a person, even my worst enemy. So even how does it how who, does it currently present? Uh, how do you know that it's anxiety? Did you get it diagnosed, uh, yes, or was yes. it just from the moment after that high where you realized that something is strange and you sort of stayed strange? Yeah, no, it. It comes in a way that sometimes when you when you, when when it comes, you feel like you are dying. It seems like you are seeing death. Mm. And uh, whenever these thoughts comes to mind, mm-hmm. you start visualizing dead people. You start seeing death only, nothing else. Mm. Okay. And uh, to think that you are you know that you are gonna die eventually, regardless of what the conditions of your your situation is. You you start thinking of you know what I would rather take my life instead of just dying by by just because that comes to mind every now and then in, into my mind like I'm talking about myself like whenever I exhaust my thinking capacity the last resort of my thinking comes to it actually ends in in suicide I just decided you know what I feel that the the the, the only thing that's gonna make me die in peace would be if I suicide. suicide. But, but so, uh, you still haven't answered me, Anonymous. Is there somebody who said to you, you've got uh, um, anxiety or did you self-diagnose? And also, what help do you want to get from uh, our doctors today? I just want them to make me relax. I, want, I just, okay, but then, uh, let, let me just answer a question. I, I went to the doctor that same day. I went to, actually to the to the uh, public hospital because I was in the villages. Uh, they gave me something. I I, I I drank those that medication. It just calmed me down a little bit. But then I started drinking again. I started taking again, and then I felt them coming back. And then I went to to my doctor. Uh, and then the doctor told me that no, you you have actually anxiety and panic attacks. And then. That started to create some sort of an, uh, a depression into my mind to think that I'm going to live with this thing forever and I don't know how long is it going to take. Okay. But it, it, it comes and goes. Okay. It comes and goes because the other day I called in, uh, I think it was in... But Anonymous, uh, Pella, we have to allow other people through. So uh, okay, let's let okay. the doctors respond. Yeah. Uh, please listen on the radio. Uh, but I think it's important that you listen to their response on the radio so that they can give you uh, direction on, on where you go uh, because we do have a lot of people that want to talk to them. Uh, is uh, Do you, Dr. Rose or uh, Dr. Uh, Cobb, yeah. any one of you can, can take I, it can first? I, yeah, maybe I, let me quickly speak there as well. I think what we've listened to now is extremely typical presentation of depression. Mm. Uh, you know, when, when obviously a depression is an is a illness of, of emotions, of feeling. And, and very often, you know, what, what, it's difficult to distinguish how depression affects males and females separately. Mm. Mm. But very often in males, males tend to, to experience depression as a kind of a, a irritable, angry, agitated, a restless kind of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Where, where women, on the other hand, they are the ones that often, when you see them presenting in your, in your practice, 
as sad, worthless, helpless kind of a feelings, hopeless kind of feelings. So men often go towards them, not always, but in, in, in most of the times. Mm, so mm. that is the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is the vast majority of depression do have anxiety. At least 60 to 70% of people that suffer from depression also have comorbid anxiety. So that is very, very common that they have generalized anxiety and panic attacks mm. associated with their, their depression. And that is why when we treat for depression, we will use um, you know, the antidepressant uh, medications because they treat both the depression and the anxiety when, when you treat them. Yeah. You don't need separate medicine for anxiety and separate medicine for the depression. Yeah. And just another thing that is so typical is that men tend to self-medicate. Yeah. They use alcohol and those kind of things to try and cope with their feelings. Yeah, to feel so, better quickly. To feel better quickly. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's kind of a to feel better and it's a kind of an escape. Mm -hmm. So what is the story he's been telling us is just so typical of how depression develops. And, and I think the other scary thing is that he said is that, um, you know, the longer you leave it, you do get into that, 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 that phase of, of of suicidality, of suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, and eventually a suicide attempt and hopefully not a successful suicide. Yeah, so th yeah. this is a very typical story that he's been telling us And it, it, it sounds to me, I'm not the doctor, but uh, you can tell me, Dr. Rose, it sounds to me that the first thing you definitely need to do is find a way to get yourself properly diagnosed because yeah. he's misdiagnosed oh, himself. 100%. And that's probably the best thing that you could do for yourself is to ensure that you go to a correct specialist, and that is a psychiatrist. You know, even as much as there are many other um, health practitioners that may be able to assist just a GP, you want to go and seek out specialized treatment mm. for um, mental health disorders. You want to see a psychiatrist to ensure that your medication is correct. Um, there's so much complexity when it comes to treatment and pharmacological treatment. So we want to really make sure that that diagnosis is correct. And then you want to also ensure that you seek out the psychological intervention. Yeah, you know, yeah, those two yeah. go hand in hand. Mm. Yeah, and we yeah, want to make yeah. sure that we are supporting them so that we prevent this picture. Because Dr. Cobb is correct. It's, a, it's an absolute typical picture that we see, starting mm. with the self-medication. It mm. presents as irritability in men often. It presents as anger. Mm. It presents in men um, sort of in, engrossing themselves in work, um, avoiding other yeah. interactions. And so we often miss it because it seems like things that present like very standard, typical male behaviors in mm. our society. And so the longer we leave it, the more difficult it, difficult it yep. is to ultimately intervene. So you want to ensure you seek out the correct professionals. Do not self-diagnose. Go seek out the treatment from both a psychiatrist and a psychologist and get properly diagnosed and treated. Fantastic. Yep. I also have to say, uh, as part of this conversation, I'll keep giving away the numbers of the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, yes. SEDEC. And those yep. numbers are 0800 21223 that's 0800-21-22-23 or 0800-456-789 and that number is open 24 hours a day yeah. because uh, we cannot ignore the fact that we live in a country where uh, some people cannot afford uh, private psychiatry or private uh, psychology help. So I'm assuming SEDEC may be um, help... Um, able uh, to, to, to also help some people. In terms of stigma, um, again, men are socialized around 
um, to- maybe this this let me let me term that toxic masculinity says yeah. uh, you know uh, don't own anything negative about you be strong be in the world uh, fight for your place stand up uh, mm. and 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 I, I I may be wrong but I assume that there ends up probably a stigma with some men saying I don't want my peers or the other men around me or any men in my family to know that I may be suffering with this. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. I mean, we see that, and, and I'm sure Dr. Rose sees it as well. We see that all the time, you know, especially when I see men, <clears throat> when they come to see me, and they ask you those questions, you know, um, okay, I'll tell my wife that I'm depressed, but should I tell my friend? Should I tell my other family? Should I? Yeah. And the worst is, should I tell the people at work mm. that I'm depressed? Please, they must never find out that I'm depressed mm. yeah. because that will that will really uh, kind of blacklist me for life. So, and I think that has all got still part to do with the whole societal stigma around depression and mental illness in general. Mm. Mm. So that is so that kind of societal expectation is is still there that men has to be the strong one, must be the the breadwinner. And, 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 you know, we need to somehow over time break that down yeah, so yeah. that men do feel at ease to come forward and speak about that they're not feeling well, that they are depressed, phone the SADC helpline, yeah. all those things. We need to reimagine a society that allows for mm. men to be vulnerable and for, yeah. for us to say, it's okay, first and foremost, you're a human being and uh, human beings uh, generally can be vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to go to news headlines, guys. The number to dial oh one one seven one four two zero zero six. That's oh one one seven one four two zero zero six. Or SMS us on four one three nine one at a rent fifty. Or WhatsApp us on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. We've seen your voice notes, and uh, we'll come back uh, with some when we do come back. We're in conversation with Dr. Rose, uh, who is a psychologist and a lecturer at the Department of Psychology at the University of uh, the West. And Cape. She's a registered clinical psychologist and registered psychiatrist, Dr. Franz Cobb, and we're trying to destigmatize um, depression with men and allowing and creating for a platform uh, for men to be able to speak out. It's 2.30 News Headlines with Amanda Machado. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Uh, good afternoon, SAFM listeners. Well, I think uh, we should redefine what does uh, being tough mean uh, to men. Because uh, being tough does not mean you do not cry. But being tough is about uh, how you handle yourself when a situation, when a, an emotional situation arises. Yes, uh, you can cry, but we shouldn't take away for the fact that men should be men. So we must not uh, encourage the demasculation of uh, of of men. Yeah, thank you. That's interesting. We must not encourage the demasculation of men. I would think therein lies the problem, Prof. I mean, yeah. Dr. Rose. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I think that's one of the key aspects that we need to address. And so this conversation really is twofold. The one is about how do we address, you know, the struggles in the moment for men that are struggling with depression? You know, how do we alleviate that? How do we support them? But the other conversation is around what is happening at a greater sort of societal level that this is being perpetuated and, and, and is allowed in many ways. Um, what are we doing that is promoting this kind of thing? And how do we shift those dynamics on a much more sort of systemic level? So I think there really needs to be intervention at various levels here that we need to start thinking a little bit differently. Yeah, we definitely need to start uh, thinking differently. We've got a caller, Jardine in uh, George. Hi, I mean, Dean in George. I'm sorry. Hi, Dean. <laughs> don't worry. As long as you don't call me foolish, you, I don't mind if you get I would happy. never call you foolish. You can call me foolish if you <laughs> no, want, but go no, for no, it. No, not at all. I just um, thank you. I would just like to um, find out at the moment um, the call centers uh for the depression and suicide, uh, uh, the numbers I would assume are much much higher than they used to be. Just a question to the to yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. as in the numbers of people that are calling being yes, depressed. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, okay. Now, now yeah. there's, there's obviously the event of COVID, and the reason why I say the event of COVID is mm-hmm. there's, there's two factors. The one is that there is a, a virus. Mm-hmm and there's a threat from the virus. And mm-hmm. then the second event or aspect of the event of COVID is, is the measures that are um, being implemented and some might say imposed in order to deal with the virus. Um, just a question is, is, from the comments on the call centers, what are mo- most people responding to negatively? Are they responding to the threat of the virus or to the threat of the measures? What's causing more stress, yeah. anxiety, depression, and suicide? Yeah, Dean. You must In remember the they are yeah. not they are not representatives of SEDEC uh, themselves. SEDEC is a number uh, that uh, that we you. give. So they. Do you yeah. want to take it, Doctor Cobb? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, yeah. By chance, I am involved with SEDEC. Okay, great. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I I've been on the board for many years at SEDEC. Uh, just, I mean, there are many things we're talking about now, and I don't want to go into all the COVID things. Mm-hmm. But I think what what we've seen just from a statistical point of view. At SEDAC, the, the, the call rate before COVID, uh, we used to get between 400 and 600 calls a day. And since the COVID pandemic started last year, it's doubled to about 1,400 to 1,600 a day. Sure. So, okay. so the call rate at SEDAC has absolutely doubled. Wow. So that is, that is the, the first thing, is, you know, and, and, yes. and I, I think, thank heavens, that people are phoning in. Yeah. And we know that the pandemic has now, and, and now that we are 18 months into it, almost two years into it in some countries, um, there are lots of factors that, that, uh, that affect uh, psychiatric factors. Mm. Sure. You know, that we see much more people now suffering from depression that never had depression before. People that had depression before relapse and their depression becomes worse again. Mm. So we see all those things, and, and you might have read in the newspapers, in the last few months, we're now talking about what we call long COVID or long haul COVID, mm-hmm. mm. which is really the after effects of COVID. Mm. And, and, and depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, sleep disturbances, and then cognitive disturbances are the most common long-term effects after COVID that people are suffering with. The reason I wanted to get some, a little bit more information, I've done some research. I'm trying to yeah. get it now. There's a horse on the other end <laughs> from the horse's mouth. Is uh, One of my very, very close friends um, committed suicide. 
Um, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of depression that's happening in the friends, the family yeah, and stuff that's yeah, around yeah, me because yeah. of the devastation that is happening, you know, to their lives, their livelihood, their ability to make decisions for themselves. How do you plan for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Our lives feel very much like they are totally out of our control and we can no longer even work out what to do to continue to self-determine that's where i'm finding a lot of the anxiety so my question kind of was is that what's leading the 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 increase yeah i mean there there are lots can i answer yeah there are lots written you you know about the actual effect of the virus on the brain but i don't want to go there but what i i see in my practice which i am really so concerned about it is I see a lot of depression. Obviously, I see more depression than I've seen in the past. But together with that depression, I see the despair. And that is yes. the despair of losing jobs, of losing income, of, of not knowing where to go to, um, of what is happening with the world, um, where, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's the kind of, should I call it, social psychological consequences out there. Yeah. Of course, that contributes to the depression and the anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the problem. And I think even worse so in males, because, I mean, that's the topic this afternoon is male depression. Yeah. And in males especially, you know, with the kind of where the male has to be the breadwinner, they have to be the strong one. But what is happening in society in our lives at the moment is so severe yeah. That men is just keep on buckling under that pressure. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing Thank it you, up, Dean. and Dion, I appreciate it very, very much. I, uh, I, I appreciate that you bring a second or third dimension to what so far has only been a one-dimensional approach to deal with the virus, and mm. I think mm. it could be to our folly. Yeah, I mean yeah. That, that pressure to provide. Thank you, Dean. Uh, that pressure to provide, uh, uh, Doctor Rose, uh, to uh, for men uh, in a time where uh, you know a lot of people are losing their jobs. Uh, you know, uh, there was the hard lockdown that forced a lot of yeah. people to start working in environments that uh, were redefined uh, and you know change. We've had to face so many drastic mm. changes in the last eighteen months, and you. Know, certain social dynamics don't change. The man has to be provider. And and yeah. what happens when the man cannot provide and he ends up being depressed? How do men who've lost their ability to provide now manage that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a valid point. I think, um, as Dr. Cobb has said, what we are seeing certainly with this pandemic, and I think you can speak to any mental health professional, um, that we are just seeing that people are at the most vulnerable that they've ever been, the most compromised, Mm. certainly the most fragile. And there's so many contextual factors that we add into that, like loss of income, um, fear of getting ill, the death of loved ones. So there are so many contextual factors Mm. that Mm. are taking people that are so vulnerable already and often just kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And Mm. so we are we are seeing it so so readily in so many people and i think a huge aspect is around how males identify in their own lives and a, a significant aspect of that is around being a provider and again it comes to these roles that have been sort of predetermined that mm. we need to start reflecting on and that's where something like a therapy space is so helpful to unpack these roles how we perceive them the impact of them on our relationships and the expectations that we have. So a therapeutic space is really a beneficial one for for these kind of dynamics that unfold around um, feeling like you have no sense of purpose because you might not be contributing financially and and, and the like. And so that's where therapy is really such a helpful tool.
Okay, I want to take Jacques on the road um, and have him ask his question before we go to break. And then when we come back, you guys answer Jacques and then uh, also talk about the symptoms and the kinds of things to look out for, uh, for people to know that they might be depressed. Hi, Jacques. Hi, KG. Uh, thanks for taking my call and thank you, SAFM, and hello to your guests. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm 37-year-old male. I've been uh, diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety uh, just about five years ago when I got married. Um, and um, my you, wife you, and were, I, you were we, diagnosed after you got married? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing. (laughs) But, you know, I must say, marriage and children is one of the things that can bring out the worst in you. And, you know, it was the best thing that I've done in my life is to Mm. get diagnosed Mm. and to gradually start being treated. But I'm also a Christian. I've been a Christian for the last 10 years. uh, I believe in Jesus. And the thing is, in our church... In church society, often it's frowned upon to take medication for depression or anxiety. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I have a, had a lot of conversations with people who are from different, uh, you know, ideas. And, you know, Jacques, sometimes... Jacques. I'm gonna keep yes. I'm gonna keep you on, okay? Because uh, we, we we had a problem with our line and we lost both the doctors. So I'm gonna keep you on, go to break, and come back. And unfortunately, you might have to retell that whole uh, story again when we get the doctors back. Do you mind just pausing a bit for me? Not at all. No, thank you, KG. Fantastic. Uh, we're talking men and depression. It's two forty-two on SAFM. For unskippable. No click baiting and cookie free with lots of real followers and likes. Place your sales campaign on SAFM. Radio is still the best place to advertise your business at affordable rates. SAFM, with its national footprint and top personalities, offer advertisers distinctive opportunities to reach their target audience. Email sales at safm.co.za. SAFM, the influencer you can trust. You are listening to KG Moyekezi on SAFM. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Jacques uh, back. Uh, doc- I'm sorry, not uh, Dr. Jacques, but uh, Dr. Franz Cobb. We're, I don't know what's going on with our line, but Dr. Rose, we're still trying to get back. And uh, Dr. Uh, Cobb, we have Jacques on the, he's driving, and I want him to tell his story again because as he started to tell his story, uh, we lost you on the line. Jacques, you're still there? Yes, I'm here, KG. Fantastic. Uh, Please talk to Dr. Cobb. Okay, uh, Dr. Cobb, thanks for taking my call. I just, I was saying, I'm a 37-year-old male, uh, and um, I've been diagnosed with uh, uh, generalized anxiety about five years ago, just after I got married. Um, yeah. And as I was saying to KG, you know, um, marriage and children, I think the things that uh, bring out the worst in you sometimes, they bring out good in us, but also bad in us. And... Um, yeah. Uh, I was saying I'm also a Christian, and among Christian uh, uh, society, um, you know, I've been a Christian. I've started believing in Jesus probably about 10 years ago, and I noticed that uh, a lot of people uh, think it's not a good thing to take health medicine. And 
medicine for anxiety and depression. And my, my, my question uh, is sort of along the lines, you know, um, is there, uh, because I, I think that being diagnosed and being treated for generalized anxiety has been the best thing for me. You know, it's, it's yeah. not taken in a way, but it's helped, take, yeah. helped me yeah. tremendously. And uh, the thing is, um, you know, I have Christian friends who suffer from depression and they won't uh, take medication. But, well, you know, if somebody gets cancer, they take medication. But if they have depression, they don't want to take medication. So yeah. if something's yeah. wrong with your body, you'll take something. But if something's wrong with your head, you won't take something. And I'm just wondering, does... Um, Especially for men, does the government have some sort of a budget that's put aside to promote or to tell men that it's okay to suffer from anxiety or depression and to be treated for it and that it's actually good to, you yeah. know, because we have all these platforms, social media, radio, and all this, everything that we can, where we can do, uh, you know, reach out to people because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who suffer from these things, and, and they, they're just not coming forward, yeah, yeah. and also maybe find uh, a very uncomfortable thing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, you know, I don't work for the government, or I've got nothing to do with the government or the Department of Health, but I fully agree with you. I think, you know, uh, the, the part of what you're talking about now is on the one hand is stigma, so it's still the whole stigma that needs to be broken down, and, and obviously, if the government does have extensive campaigns to educate people, because that's the second point, that stigma and education are the two main things that I think we're talking about now. Education about what depression is all about, that this is a disease, that this is a treatable uh, a medical condition like any other medical condition. It's no different. So I think those are the two things we need to, to look at as a stigma. As, as, as well as in education, 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 because I think the more people know the truth, the real facts about depression, that in a way will also help to destigmatize the disease. Oh, that's the main thing. Yeah. Okay. The other sad thing, uh, okay. thing, just quickly to say, that I find it that you say that some people still refuse to go for help. And I think that is such a sad thing because... We've got such good treatments, both medical and psychological, that will really help people to improve the quality of their mm, life. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the lives of their families. Yeah. You know, yes. Often it's a fair, And I think gender-based violence is largely due to depression. And, and you know, it, it comes out in those settings yeah. where violence can erupt from anxiety. That is a response mechanism. Anger yeah. is a response yeah. When you trigger it, uh, and, and yeah, so yeah. I really hope we can especially help the lower income communities. Yeah. To, Look, to I, I have to things. let you go, Jacques. I will yeah. give away the SEDEC numbers again. I want uh, to have your final comment, Dr. Cobb, uh, seeing we lost uh, Dr. Rose, about yeah. what to look out for in yourself if you're a yeah. man and yeah. you're listening yeah. and you're suspecting uh, that something yeah. might be wrong or something is different. What are the things that they should look out for? I think, first of all, uh, to, to just as a, a broad general thing, I mean, like I said before, depression is, is a, 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 a mood condition, is a change in emotions. Mm. So what one should, it's a depression, it's a sadness, it's a dark, but that kind of a feeling. Yeah. So the first thing one should always be aware of, has there been a change in the way I feel? Mm. 
you know, if you feel you, your mood, your emotions has changed over the last few weeks and you are becoming more sad every day than, than, than happy, um, then be aware of depression. So, so that, that is the first thing, if there's been a change in, in your, your mood. The second main thing I want to, 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 to mention is change in functioning, your, your quality of your life. Mm. You're becoming slow. You're not thinking properly. You're not paying attention to your wife and, 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 and your, your, your partner in your, your marriage anymore. You're, not, you're getting in trouble at work because you're not functioning the way you used to function before. Mm -hmm. You are not happy with yourself. You're losing interest in your hobbies. You're, you get sleep disturbance, appetite disturbance, libido disturbance, uh, you know, all those kind of things. Any changes, psychological, physical changes, um, be aware of it. So change in emotions, I think, is important. And loss of quality of life functioning is the other thing you, you need to think about. And, and then with that, of course, the, the sadness, the depressed mood, the feelings that life is not worthwhile, yeah. I feel hopeless, I feel helpless, all those feelings that goes with it. I think those things are so important to be aware of. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Cobb. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Uh, Dr. Cobb is a psychiatrist, and uh, I did say I'll give away the numbers of the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, SEDEC. Again, that's uh, 0800 21 or 0800-456-789. That's 0800-21-22-23 or 0800-456-789. Those numbers are open 24 hours a day. It's 2.51.